You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. Today's reading is in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. You all can be seated, and any children can be dismissed to their classes at this time. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here of the village. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, Man, uh, usually Pastor Michael's up here doing this, just in case you're new with us. I'm up here every now and then. Um, But yeah, glad that you guys are hanging out with us today, and I'm excited to preach through uh, this uh, particular passage. So um, if you would, before we jump in, I don't have any like fancy intro. Uh, I just talked to David Krecklau and I were texting back and forth about like how it's really helpful to like get people on board and all that stuff with illustrations. And then this week I don't have an illustration to open up with for my sermon. So we're just going to jump into the text. But before we do that, uh, if you would join me in prayer for our time together. Uh, God, thank you for uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for this gathering. This is yours. These people are yours. Uh, some of them as sons and daughters, all of them as your creation. And Father, I pray today that as we look at this passage of Scripture, that your son John, uh, that he wrote uh, for us, Father, that we would see uh, your your true son Jesus, and that he would illuminate our lives, our hearts that he would shine a light on on all of our relationships with you. Whether that's good or bad, whether that is scary to think about, whether that's hard to look at, or whether that is rejoicing and joyful and the best thing ever, Father, I pray that you would shine light on our lives this morning, that all of us would walk out of here today believing and loving the light you have cast forth in Jesus who hung on a cross, who rose from the dead, and who is ruling and reigning right now next to you. So God, do your work in us and through us this morning, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So here's where you're going for those of you who like to kind of know what the lay of the land is for the morning. Uh, It's on your weekly, but uh, I'll say it out loud as well. Um, The the main kind of idea, the burden that we want to look at today is that as the light of the world, Jesus shines light on our relationship with the Father. 
uh, and we'll look at that through three uh, kind of points throughout our text today, that Jesus is the light of the world. That's point number one. Number two, our default is darkness. And then number three, that we can have the light of life, even today. Uh, and so we're just going to hop into the first chunk of our passage today. We're going to look at verses 12 through 20. So if you've got your Bibles uh, or your phones or whatever, you can look up on the screen as well. We're going to look at John 8, 12 through 20, and we'll just read this. Even though we just read it a minute ago, we're going to read it again uh, together. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment's true. For it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. All right, so again, our first point this morning is that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, uh, I want us to hear that maybe a little bit differently today. Uh, we've heard Jesus say that he's the bread of life, that he is living water. Now he's saying that he is the light of the world. And our tendency, uh, if you're familiar with some of these titles, is to hear them like he's walking down the aisle of Hobby Lobby, right? And just kind of reading the, the stuff that he sees on the shelves out loud. Live, laugh, love, uh, love gathers here, or my favorite is just the word believe, Right? Just the word believe. In what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe. Just, just believe in something. Do what the, the Polar Express tells you to do, right? Uh, and on the shelf next to, to those signs is a sign for your pantry that says bread of life, right? Or over the sink that says living water, or uh, maybe there's one next to your light switch, or uh, in your sunroom or whatever that says light of the world. And, and there are these just sweet and light and, and inoffensive phrases that are empty of any real substance except what you kind of give them yourself. But Jesus said this about himself in a real place, at a real time, to real people. And he wasn't at, at a Hobby Lobby. He was standing in the treasury of the temple, an outer courtyard around the temple, also called the Court of Women. Uh, Ryan, you can show that picture up there. This is a rendering of what that maybe could have looked like uh, back in the day. Um, and like John mentioned earlier in chapter 7, it was the time of year for the Feast of Booze. And so the Jewish people, they were out in droves. They were celebrating. Uh, he wasn't hearing instrumental versions of Christian music playing over like the, the store speakers or whatever. He was hearing the echoes of the Levites, the, the priests of the temple, probably singing somewhere inside. He was hearing coins clinking in the collection jars, uh, people chatting as they went to and fro. He was smelling livestock that was being brought in for sacrifice during the festival. He was seeing women talking and men dancing, all part of this annual festival celebrating God's faithfulness to their ancestors, who he had freed from slavery in Egypt and then led through the wilderness for 40 years, showing up and leading them as pillars of cloud and fire to light their way. And these festivities, uh, Jesus was, was witnessing under the heat and the light of giant pillars, torches. They almost looked like uh, menorahs that, that were erected specifically in this courtyard. And they were lit for this feast. You can see what two of them look like right up there on the slide, those two big pillars. That's what two of those torches probably looked like. And at night, they lit the whole courtyard, the way into the temple uh, where God his Father dwelt. They lit the people who would gather there, they lit uh, their way around the treasury. And outside of that was just darkness. And so washed in the light of these, these giant lamps, I, I imagine Jesus looking up at these pillars of fire and then looking back down at the crowd and saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This phrase wasn't without substance, 
It wasn't inoffensive because the Pharisees, as they often do, were offended by what Jesus said. Jesus had just said something about himself. He was making himself out to be God in this little analogy, and they didn't like it. You're testifying about yourself. You can't do that. That's against the rules, they said. See, in order to prove any claims that you were making back then, you needed two or three witnesses to back you up. They didn't didn't have driver's license or uh, forensic evidence stuff or the internet or whatever back then, and so they had people's word. And here's Jesus, who's not just equating himself with the God who, who lit up the desert for the Jews, but he's saying he's the light of the entire world for anyone who would follow him. And he's just saying it like it is. And I love Jesus' response. He says, even if you're in your law, it's written that the testimony of two or three witnesses is true. Well, well, I'm the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Right? In other words, you need two witnesses? Fine. Uh, me and the Father. Boom. Right? There you go. And so the Pharisees reply, okay, well then, where's your Father then? But bring him here. Let, let us hear his testimony about you. But what they don't realize is that they're literally standing in the Father's front yard. They're in an, an outer courtyard of God. God the Father's own temple. Demanding that he come out to vouch for God the Son. And they don't even know it. They really don't know where Jesus came from. They don't know where he's going. Otherwise, they would connect the dots. And they would know that this was his dad's home address. So, so Jesus says, you don't even know me, let alone my father. If you knew me, you wouldn't know him. In other words, if they, they want to call a witness basically to the stand, but they don't even know who the witness is. They're at his house. They're talking to his son who looks just like him. But since they don't really know him either, they wouldn't be able to pick the father out of a lineup. It's like, uh, imagine in a trial, a lawyer's star witness gets called to the stand, but then when he gets up there, he's like, yeah, uh, who they think I am, that name they just read out, that's, that's not me. These people don't even really know who I am, right? Well, there, goes, there goes your case. But worse than losing this particular argument, Jesus is saying that, that they are lost. They are wandering in the desert without a pillar of fire to guide him. They don't know the God of their ancestors, the one that, that everyone is literally celebrating right now under the giant torches that are meant to symbolize him, but are, are literally lighting up his house as well. The light of the world has come, and he shined a light on their relationship with the Father. And the verdict is they don't know him at all. Despite having the light of the world in front of them, they are in the dark. But it's not because Jesus isn't bright enough. He is, he is more than enough. Some of you guys might be familiar with the, the C.S. Lewis quote uh, that goes like this. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And I'm not going to edit C.S. Lewis, but Jesus here I think would change Christianity to Christ, right? Because it's by him personally that we see everything else. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who makes sense of the world that we're in and this life that we have. Following him means never having to walk in the darkness. No shadows, no hiding, no monster underneath the bed or in the closet, no sin that can condemn us, right? No enemy that can conquer us, no lie that can control us. The truth about the world and about us is illuminated everywhere that Jesus goes. And there are three things in particular, that, that Jesus says he shines light on in this passage. Who he is, what's right, and then the Father himself. First, Jesus says this, that, that what he claims about himself is true because he knows where he came from and he knows where he's going. He knows more about himself than anyone else in ways that no one else could possibly know because he has always existed, even before creation itself. He came from heaven and he's going to go back there. Look, the, the historical evidence for Jesus is pretty overwhelming, and, and that matters. Like, the testimony of the scriptures matter. Church history and world history, all of those things tells us today to be his witnesses to the world. And yet, if all of that and of all of us vanished in a moment, it wouldn't make what Jesus says about himself any less true. He's not the product of the writing of men. 
He isn't a figure locked in the pages of, of history. He's alive and he's true whether anyone wants to acknowledge him or agree with him or not. God himself, Father and Son and Spirit, God is the highest authority there is. Jesus isn't bending the rules when he says that uh, he can count as one of his own witnesses. There's literally no other higher authority that Jesus could call to the stand than himself and the Father. This is the only time that circular reasoning is legit where someone can say, it's true because I said so, right? Parents can always say that all the time. Do it because I said so. But when that person is the author of truth itself, they get to say that, right? Jesus shines light on himself because he defines truth itself. And it's because he defines truth itself that Jesus shines light on what's right. This is the the second thing, that the right way to make sense of the world around you, including yourself, he shares that with us. He tells the Pharisees that they're judging him and they're judging everything else by human standards, which is, it's like, well, by what standards would you like us to judge from? Because we are human, right? But, but that's the point. Like that, that's all that we are, what matters to us how we see the world, what we believe to be right and wrong, good and evil, all that stuff, normal, abnormal, those are, those are shaped by where we come from. Is it okay to talk in a movie theater or not? Is it called soda or is it called pop? Is it is 55 degrees, is that cold or is that warm? All of that depends, your answer to those questions, it all depends on where you come from. Right? The same is true for what's good and what's right. Our answers to those questions are shaped by the fact that we come from a fallen, corrupted, sinning, suffering, evil, infested world. Whether we like it or not. But Jesus isn't from this world. He's from heaven. But before he was ever human, he was and he still was and he still is fully God. He sees things on earth through the lenses of heaven. Which means that when Jesus talks about the state of the world, when he talks about us, like we should probably listen to that. Lastly, Jesus says that he shines light on the Father. Right? If, if you know Jesus, then you know the Father. Right? Not that they're the same person, but you can't know and recognize one without also knowing a family friend in the hospital. And for the first few minutes, uh, she thought that I was my dad. Uh, so I had a, a mask on for sure, but she was like talking about people that I don't know and talking to me about uh, music performances and stuff. And my dad's in a, he's in a barbershop course or whatever. And so I'm like, God, I, I think she has the wrong person here. And I, I was wearing a mask, but, but all the other stuff, the other half of my face, my mannerisms, the way that I was talking and carrying myself, all that stuff, it was confusing, right? It was easy for her to confuse uh, me for him. And if you have any doubts, just he's right there, right? You can look at him right there and tell I belong to him, right? Like there's, there's no way that you can't look at us and know that we somehow belong to each other. And so it is with God, the Father, and the Son. You can't reject Jesus and claim to know God the Father. And on the flip side, you can't reject God the Father and claim to know or love or even like Jesus for who he is. Right? Jesus himself says so here. And, and we need to, to take note of his relationship with the Father. It is key to Jesus' life as the Son. While, while Jesus testifies about himself, so does the Father. While the world might not recognize him, his Father does. While Jesus isn't super concerned with judging folks at the moment, like if he did, he wouldn't be doing it by himself. The Father would be doing it too. The Father was with him where he came from. The Father sent him to earth. The Father will be there when he gets back. Jesus not only shines light on our own relationship with the Father, but he's shining light on his relationship with the Father, a relationship that we long to have. Many of us long to have this, this kind of relationship with our earthly fathers, let alone our heavenly one. And, and if you did or if you do, then you know how powerful that can be to know that your dad always has your back, to know that he'll always be there when you get home, to know he'll vouch for you and see things the way that you do. And yet for a multitude of reasons, many of us don't get to experience that. And for everyone that Jesus is talking to this morning, none of them are experiencing the kind of relationship with the Father that he has. And apart from Christ, everyone in this room is no different because we're all from the same world as them. Only the lamps can light the courtyard for a yearly festival. Only a, a pillar of fire 
can light up the wilderness and only Jesus can light up the world that's shrouded in darkness, that's unable to even recognize the God who has recognized him, let alone enjoy him as a father, even when they're on his doorstep, even when his, his son is right in front of them showing them the way in. And it's not because he isn't bright enough that they or that we don't get it. it it's because of us. It's because of where we're from, the world that we're of, the darkness that's part of, of this world. It doesn't just skew the way that we see things or our preferences. It skews us. We are skewed, which, which brings us to our second point this morning. And that's that our default is darkness. If you will, read with me uh, John 8, 21 through 26. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you'll seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you can't come? He said to them, you're from below, I am from above. You're of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I'm he, you will die in your sins. And so they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. All right, now, I posted on Realm earlier uh, this week that, that we'd be hearing the Jews mention suicide. All right, something that, that you may not be expecting to hear in the Bible, uh, especially as it relates to, to Jesus, and, and something that hits many of us in, in many, many different ways because of the people in our life, because of our own experiences uh, in the past, or maybe even uh, in the present, myself included. Like, we're mindful of that, and we want to, give you, want to give you a heads up that that was a thing. And I want to assure you this morning, even if that still caught you off guard today, that the Lord takes that stuff seriously. All right? We take that stuff seriously. And the Jewish, Jewish people here, they're taking that seriously. They're not making light of it. Okay, this isn't a joke. It's not, not just kind of uh, uh, belittling or being flippant about suicide. They are legitimately trying to figure out what Jesus means when he says that he's going somewhere that they can't go. Because he, he said that before in chapter 7, and that time they thought maybe he was talking about like traveling abroad to the non-Jewish people, and so maybe they wouldn't be able to find him on the road. Maybe that's what he meant. But this time when he says it, he adds that they're, they're going to die in their sin while trying to find him. And, and so, so if their search for Jesus would bring them to their own demise in a way that, that maybe God wouldn't seem to condone, then, then where is he talking about going? The grave? They wonder out loud if, if Jesus is going to take his own life. And in order to join him, they'll have to do the same. They're wondering, in some sense, if Jesus is starting something like Jonestown, right? Or Heaven's Gate stuff, these cults that made followers complete suicide in order to be free or to live forever or to escape to a better place. It might sound wild, right, for us to, to read this here, for them to bring that up, but, but they're just trying to connect the dots, right? And that, that might be shocking to read, but but I can see how they got there. But, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is alluding to his death. Right? He is alluding to his death, his crucifixion on a cross. And that's a place where thousands of other people would die. Thousands of other people would be crucified, but not in the same way as Jesus. Only Jesus could be lifted up on the cross as a substitute, as someone who didn't deserve to be there. Right? His unique place was that he and he alone could take our place. Jesus wouldn't be taking his own life. He would be giving it up as a ransom for ours. And when Jesus says that his hearers would die in their sin looking for him, it's not because they'd be following him too closely. It's just the opposite. Their refusal to follow him, even though they'd still be seeking after somebody like him in some way, shape, or form, that's what would seal their fate. And when Jesus says, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, he's shining light on a stark and unavoidable truth that if you reject the light of the world, you won't just walk in darkness, you will die in darkness as well. M much of our country, much of, much of the church in this country operates as if dying itself is a ticket to a better place. And that's just not true. And I know that removes a lot of the things that kind of roll off our tongue, things that we just say to offer comfort to those 
who are mourning. It, it takes some stuff off the table, but, but a better place and eternal rest and finally being free or at peace, death is not what delivers these things to us or to our loved ones. Jesus is. And according to Jesus, there are, there are two ways to die. We can die in our sin or we can die believing in him. But we can't do both. And there's no third option that he gives here or anywhere else in the scriptures. So there's not a more important question to ask this morning than, than what does it mean to believe in Jesus? And, and not in a Hobby Lobby way, not in a, a Polar Express vague sort of thing, but what's the real substance of belief? Because there's stakes at play in this. And in our text today, Jesus kind of gives us some defined shape to what belief might actually mean. The first thing is this, that belief means that we stop seeking. We stop seeking. Jesus says that even though the Jews will seek him, they'll die looking for him. When he says that, Jesus isn't talking about a lifelong game of hide and seek, right? That he just knows that he can't lose. It's not what he's talking about. He's, he's not keeping himself from them. He is right there in front of them. But while he's there and long after he's gone, they're going to be looking for him. Not because they think Jesus is what they need, but because they know they need help. They need someone to pin their hope on. They need someone to set things right. And even though Jesus is that guy, they're convinced it's someone else. And so they will spend the rest of their lives looking for someone that's been right in front of them all along. It's like ordering something at a restaurant right? and the server brings it to you and then uh, you're like, that's not what I wanted. Right? That, that's not what I ordered. And they ask you, okay, what, what is it that you ordered? What did you want? And you tell them what you got on the menu and they're like, no, that's but that is actually exactly what you ordered, right? Whether you knew it or not, that, that is what you wanted. That's what we gave to you. And, and the seeking person would just dig their heels and say, no, 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 that, that can't be it. Give me something else. Give me the thing that, that I, I want. And, and that's when you start getting embarrassed. Like if you're sitting at the table with that person, right? Unless you're that person, which we can talk later. Uh, but the believing person at the table would say, okay, all right, fine. I'll take your word for it. Like if, it's not what I thought I had in mind, but, but they recognize it. And that when they're confronted with the truth, they, they decide to believe it. I will take it, right? I'll eat what is in front of me. It would be silly to do otherwise, all right? So, so if you're curious about Jesus this morning, do look, that's great. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, if you're seeking to learn more about him, that is a good thing. In fact, I, I wish more Christians continued to be Curious, continued wanting to learn more about him, letting Jesus change their minds about some stuff or live differently or, or relate differently with other people. After we stop seeking and start believing, we get to start, start following him and we should keep doing that. And so we are pro asking questions. We're pro wrestling with Jesus and the scriptures. We're pro diving into hard things and questions and admitting where we get it wrong. Right, and stumbling forward, your curiosity is, is very welcomed and, and wanted here. Just know that if you're seriously trying to figure out this like Jesus thing, you will discover, if you haven't already, that, that there is not a third category for those who are just dabbling in the church or trying Jesus out. There's not dying in your sin, dying believing in him, and then dying while keeping your options open scanning the menu, even though Jesus is kind of right here on the table, just in case something more appealing happens to come along. And I don't say that to scare anybody off, and I certainly don't say that to scare anyone into belief. My invitation to all of you this morning is to consider what Jesus is saying about himself and about you, what he's revealing about your relationship with the Father, and to recognize the truth for what it is. Because whatever or whoever you're looking for in this life, whether you know it or not, it is Jesus. And that invitation extends to a, a cup of coffee or lunch or whatever. You just need to chat more about this and figure that stuff out. We would love to do that with you. Let's do that. The second thing that belief means this morning is that belief means accepting that we are in the dark. All right, Jesus is from above, but, but we're from below. Where Jesus is going we can't. He's not of this world, and you and I can't not be of this world. He'll die having never sinned. We will die in our sin apart from any intervention. Us and Jesus, we are not the same. 
if by if Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, if Jesus by nature is the light of the world, then our default is darkness. Believing this is part of believing in Jesus. Look, I, I love setting up the Christmas tree every single year, uh, but the thing that I don't look forward to each year are the lights. They are awful. First of all, first of all, we have a post-lit tree. That's what I call pre-lit trees that just decided they just give up, right? They've had enough, all right? Um, the, the lights that are woven into the branches, you can't even call them lights because they don't do that anymore. They don't light. And so, uh, oh gosh, like the, I had to buy strands of lights, strands of lights for our pre-lit tree every single year, but it doesn't matter how I store those strands of lights. The last two years, I've, each strand has gotten an individual bag and wound up uh, in a particular way or whatever, but I still bring them out every single year. I test them, and most of them still don't work, all right? And so I'll search for the bulb. It's like barely popped out or whatever, or, uh, or the black one that's just no good anymore, and I'll replace them. Uh, and the strands that do work, no joke, like every week, week by week in December, uh, I just watch as certain strands, they get really bright like a star that's about to go supernova, <laughs> right? And then within a few hours, it just burns out. And so there's just dark patches and a tree that now has two full sets of bulbs on it that was marketed to me as something that I could just plug in and be done with. And it's so frustrating as someone who just wants his tree to be lit like it's supposed to be. And I think just why is this so much work? Why is this so hard? And then I remember like Christmas trees are supposed to be lit, but they don't by nature glow on their own. Even the pre-lit ones. The same is true for us. We're made to walk in the light, but our default is darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, and part of believing in him is accepting the fact that we are not. The fact that you're confused and convicted, and sometimes you feel stuck in stuff, even having thoughts of self-harm and those things like I have, even after you're a Christian, after you're a pastor, right? That those things are not evidence that Jesus isn't true or that Christianity is not real or not for you. It's evidence that, like Jesus says, we are in the dark, and it's not going to feel natural for us to be lit. It's going to be hard. We're in a world and in bodies that are caught up in both sin and suffering that don't always make sense. The Father's glowing testimony about Jesus is not his testimony about us or about the world. We, we stand estranged and we stand condemned. Jesus himself says he's got a lot of things to say and to judge about us and his standards are heaven's. Right? They're gods, and it's almost like he's restraining himself because the things that he's saying out loud is, isn't just the stuff that he's seen. It's not all the things that he has witnessed. It's only what he's heard directly from the Father. And his testimony is that we are in sin. We have broken his commandments. We have failed to honor him. As the light of the world, Jesus is shining a light on the fact that our relationship with the Father is in the dark because we have lived as if we don't need a light. And even if we did, it certainly wouldn't be Jesus. But if you don't believe that I am he, Jesus says, you will die in your sin. And so the Jews have the right response for once when he says this. They ask Jesus, if I am he is who you are, and, and we got to believe that, then who are you? Who are you? Who is the I am he? Which leads us to this last thing about what belief means. Belief means letting Jesus tell us who he is. Uh, Jesus sounds, at least in my head, like a little exasperated. I am exactly who I've been telling you from the very beginning. Right? And it doesn't just, just mean uh, since this conversation began a few minutes ago. He means from like the, the beginning, the beginning, where he's shown up in the Old Testament, where he's been talked about by the prophets of the past. His story hasn't changed. And he uses the phrase, I am he, to drive home this very point. It's not just another like fluffy phrase or some weird uh, old-timey grammar stuff that's going on here. This is pulled uh, directly from Isaiah. There's substance to it that comes from chapters 48, or 41 through 48 in particular. Here's some of those things. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor, nor shall there be any after me. Here's another one. I, 
I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Or, or this one, even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you, and I will bear. I will carry, and I will save. Or, or this one, listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I called, I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. This, all of this, is who Jesus is trying to tell you that he is. Some of us in this room might need to put down the menu and believe that Jesus is, in fact, who we need today. And others of us might be fooling ourselves a bit because, because we've put down the menu, right? But, but we're picking things off of the plate of Jesus that we just don't like very much. To, to mix metaphors uh, horribly, it's like wanting to put lights on your Christmas tree, but you don't want the lights to expose that part of the tree, Right? Or shine light on, on that unshapely patch of branches that you didn't reshape when you got it out of the box. And so you, you start plucking out a bulb here or a bulb here because you just rather Jesus not kind of light up and expose that part of your life. But, but what happens when you pluck one bulb out? Well, if you get the $2 box of lights at Meyer that I get, the whole thing goes out. In other words, it's either all or nothing. If you're going to censor Jesus, don't bother saying that you're following him. If you're going to say that you believe in Jesus, but just not what he says here and not what he does here, not, what, not be willing to do what he asks of you here, then you believe in something and maybe it's easier for you, but it's not Jesus. All right. But the hard work of letting Jesus light up your life and make sense of this world is worth it. Like not just because it's true and not just because he's God, but because he's the God who has made you who will bear you, who will carry you, who will save you well into your old age, even to the grave. You better believe he'll shine a light on, on all of your transgressions, and then he will blot every single one out. He'll forget them, he and the Father together. They can both look upon your life and change what they have to say about you. So look, you can choose to live in the dark where it might feel safe, but if you do, you will die in your sins. Or you can die believing in him with your sins blotted away, actually one day getting to be in a better place. But that means you have to live today in this place, in the light, completely. Where it doesn't always feel safe, but it actually is. Where it's not always easy, but even in the here and the now, it's absolutely worth it today. Jesus doesn't say that those who follow him will have a light at the end of the tunnel. He says they'll have the light of life now. And that is our last point this morning, that you can have the light of life, and you can have it today. Read with me the last portion of our focal passage, verses 27 through 30. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Uh, big surprise. Referring to who sent him and, and what he had to say and all that stuff. So Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. There, there it is again, that phrase. And, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. When... Uh, Look, when, when Christians talk about having a personal relationship with God, like that's a thing that we say sometime, or with Jesus, that can be a tough thing to wrap our, our heads around a little bit, especially for folks that aren't, aren't in the church, aren't Christians, because like, I, I know what it means to have a personal relationship with like my spouse or my friends or my barista, right, or my mail carrier or whatever, but how can I have any kind of relationship with, uh, with someone I can't see who's not taking up physical, tangible space around me. What does that mean? I don't get that. And Jesus' audience is having a similar issue uh, understanding Jesus' personal relationship with the Father. Like, they didn't get how he was Jesus' Father and the one who sent him and the one who's teaching him and the one that's with him now. Like, that just wasn't clicking with them. And so Jesus pivots to something more tangible to help them maybe get it. Uh, it's an image that, that they'd be familiar with. This is Daniel's picture of the Son of Man. Michael talked about this 
uh, a couple weeks ago. This is a, a person who would be lifted up into the clouds to take a seat on a throne next to the Ancient of Days. That's just a, a fancy title for God the Father. All right, And this Son of Man would rule and he would reign and he would deliver his people forever. And his authority would be given to him by the Father. All right, So, so this prophetic picture from Daniel 7 was an image that the Jews knew. It was something that they were looking forward to. And it painted a picture of the Father and the Son. So when they see Jesus lifted up as this, this Son of Man, he says that they should finally see that I am he. And that I do nothing on my own. And, and that happens. Like we call that when Jesus rose. We call that the ascension of Jesus. When he rose up in the clouds to take his seat next to the Father. But the thing is, before he's ever lifted up on the clouds, Jesus had to be lifted up on the cross. And this is actually the lifting that Jesus has in mind. And, and we know this because he tells them that it's when they lift up the Son of man that things should click but like they can't lift jesus into the clouds right he's, he's not talking about like hey they'll put him on a chair and then lift up the chair and then parade him around the room like that's not what he's talking about here he's talking about how they will conspire to publicly shame and execute him in the most brutal way possible which is crucifixion that's the kind of lifting that they are going to do. And that's, that's where it'll be plain for everyone to see that Jesus was nothing but obedient to the Father, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And when, when the sky goes dark and the rocks split and the veil over the temple entrance tears and both a Roman guard who's standing watch and a criminal being executed right next to him cry out that this guy doesn't belong here, Right? There is nothing more for Jesus to say or do to make it plain that he is the light of the world. And, and the world hated the light. And the sooner that we're willing to say, and I sometimes hate it too, the sooner that we'll be ready to say, but I need it. But I need the light. right? Because if the cross is the point at which the light of the world is made most clear, then it's at the cross that we can best see what Jesus wants us to see. Not only the reality and the severity of our sin, but the staggering brilliance of the mercy and the grace of God. And they go hand in hand. At the cross, we are confronted with what forgiveness took and we're comforted by the fact that it is ours in full. He died for our sins so we wouldn't have to die in our sins. And because of that, we don't just get to die differently. We get to live differently. We, we can have the light of life today. Don't let all this talk about death make you think that Christianity is mainly about dying. Jesus' death and our death and what happens after you die. And what if you died today? All that stuff. You might not believe it, but Christianity is not about dying. It's about living. If Jesus never showed up, he never came, we would die all the same. What makes Jesus unique is that life can be eternal and death has been overcome. Death is not our escape from the suffering of this life or our struggle with sin. Jesus is. And the, the eternal promise that Jesus offered doesn't kick in once you kick the bucket. It starts now. Our hope's not just a future one that's locked up and waiting for us after we die. When Jesus said that anyone who follows him will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life, he didn't add in the afterlife. He was inviting the people gathered around him in the temple courtyard under the warm glow of those giant torches to follow him right then and right there and begin walking in the light of life. And some of them did. Many of them believed and that same invitation is being extended to you today. Not just to someday die differently, but to begin living differently right now. How, why, what's that, what's that look like? Jesus isn't here tangibly, right? Uh, just kind of waiting for us to, to follow him out the doors of the 210. What is that supposed to look like? Well, I'm not gonna spoon, spoon feed you like these cookie cutter answers or whatever. Part of that's because... I don't know you. I don't know what your relationship with the Lord is like at the moment or what Jesus is trying to work on in you and the circumstances of your life. But also because the light of the world, it's not a to-do list, all right? 
It's not a to-do list. It's not a series. The world is a person. And what he wants to do is introduce you or, or reintroduce you to another person, the father that you don't know. God the Father, his father, who if you believe in Jesus today, is your father too. And what you need to know is that the kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father, where, where the Father's always ready to vouch for him, where he's not only there for him when he needs him, but he, he never leaves his side. The one that lets Jesus know that he's not alone when he's the only one standing in truth or making sense of things differently from the rest of the world. The, the kind of relationship where the Son knows that his Father's pleased with him, this kind of relationship with the Father anchored Jesus' life and ministry, and that kind of relationship with the Father gets to anchor ours now too. What's true about the Father and the Son now gets to be true about the Father and all his sons and daughters who believe in him by faith. And our anchor for knowing that's true, because it's like hard to believe that sometimes, and it's easy to forget it, our anchor for that is the cross. Our light, our pillar of fire is Jesus And it's by seeing him hanging on the cross and raising out of the tomb and ascending to the right hand of the Father and believing that we are reintroduced, we're reconciled, we are restored to the Father. When we see the Son of Man lifted up, we can know. We can stop seeking and we can rejoice in our relationship with the Father that the Son alone reveals. And so what does it look like to have the light of life today? To not walk in darkness, but in the light. I leave you with, with three things to ponder. I want you to imagine how your life would be different if you actually lived as if you really believed three things. That the Father would always forgive you. That the Father would never leave you. And that the Father is... Because Jesus let himself be lifted up on the cross for your sins. The Father is faithful to forgive you when you confess them. You don't have to hide stuff from your dad. What, what could you be honest about if that were actually true? What could you let other people know about you? What shame would you just get to cast away? What guilt would you finally stop carrying around? What could you stop pretending or defending? What if you lived as if you actually believed that Jesus made it safe for you to walk in the light? Would you take an obedience in faith if you knew that the Father wouldn't leave you high and dry? What truth would you be willing to stand in? What convictions would you be willing to hold fast to if you knew that you wouldn't be alone, that the God of the universe would hold you fast, would vouch for you as he vouched for Jesus? What ease and comfort would you have if you believe that he hasn't and never will abandon you? How much more eager would you be to listen to him, to want to know his voice, to seek his counsel in prayer uh, and in the scriptures and from his church, if you knew that he was near wanting to speak to you and teach you, what if you lived as if you actually believed that the Father's near to you and as near to you as he is Jesus? Because he is. And what if God was pleased with you? What if you believed that you could please the Father? How would you approach him differently if you knew that that both your spirit empowered words and deeds made him happy and so would your running to him in repentance, open confession of your sin and turning to him for grace and mercy in your time of of need? How would you relate with him and everyone else differently if you could stop trying to get God to like you and started living as if he already couldn't be more pleased with you in Christ? Because he couldn't be. What if the Father forgave you, stayed with you, things were, were actually true? Because for those of you in Christ, they are. And for those of you who aren't, they can be. And that changes everything. Not just the way that you die, but the way that you live. As the light of the world, Jesus shines light on our relationship with the Father. And even though our default is darkness. If we believe, we can have the light of life today. Fans, you can come on up. What I want to invite you into this morning is to respond to whatever the Father might be doing in you, whatever the Spirit might be stirring in you this morning to let God reveal your relationship with Him.
And I want to invite you to respond in faith. And there are a few ways that you can do that. You can just sit where you're at right now and you can pray, right? There'll be a, a couple folks back there by the red tree. There'll be, uh, I'll be back there and my wife as well along the wall. If you need to talk or chat about anything, pray about anything at all. We would love to talk with you about that and pray for you. You can respond in communion. Uh, there are two tables up here with uh, bread and, and juice that represent the body of Christ that was broken for us and the blood of Christ that was, that was shed for us. You can take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice or take one of the individual packages there. And those are for those who are, who are in Christ already, who, who get to declare that it's by Jesus that they have peace with God. So I encourage you to sit and sift through what the Lord might want to work with you today. If you are clean in him, if you have repented and have a clean heart, come and partake and rejoice in the restored relationship that you have with the Father. And lastly, you can sing. You can sing and worship with the band this morning about how good of a dad we have and good of a son that we have in Jesus. If you would, please pray with me. God, thank you for Jesus. Father, thank you for not keeping fallen and living and working in the dark. And God, I pray that this morning that you would let the light of Christ shine on every single person in this room, men, women, children, that they would see what's in their own heart. <clears throat> that whether they need comfort or whether they're brought to conviction, God, that they would find their answer and their rest in Christ. That they would look upon the cross, see the Son of Man lifted up, and they would find not just the severity of their own sin and the brokenness of this world, but the hope that you've given us in Jesus, the sure hope, the sure forgiveness and certainty that you will end suffering, that you will end sin and rid this world of evil and that we get to look upon him for grace and mercy and help in our time of need. And so help God, those of us who are in our time of need right now. We thank you so much for being a good dad. Help us to enjoy you today and every day as the father that you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.